Good afternoon, everybody. And it is exactly 3 p.m. on March the 30th. March is almost over, 2023. Next week starts the holiest of all weeks, and that's what we're going to be focusing on today, Holy Week. So this is Anchored in Hope with Father Larry Richards, and I am Father Larry Richards. Aren't we excited about that? Anyway, welcome. I'm tired. I'm in the middle of taxes, you know, doing taxes. Oh, I don't do them, but I have to, you know, get them ready to give them to my uh, uh, accountant and uh, the tax guy. He's a great guy, one of my uh, students and I was at prep. I didn't teach him, but I was his uh, um, campus minister, and so they're very good. But boy, that's all I've been doing all day today. So let's pray in the name of the Father and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Holy Father, we are grateful that you gave Jesus, your Son, to die for our sins, to save us from eternal damnation, and to give us eternal life. Father, help us to always be grateful to you for all the things you have done for us, for giving us life, for giving us salvation, and wanting us to be with you forever. Father, give us the joy that Jesus gave when he says, All this I have told you that my joy may be in you and your joy may be complete. This, as we enter into the holiest of weeks, May we be filled with the joy that Jesus gave us 2,000 years ago. We beg you these things, Holy Father, in Jesus' name, amen. Mary, Mother of Jesus, pray for us. Good Saint Joseph, pray for us. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. Well, again, welcome, everybody. Um, again, what we do here is... We give a half-hour introduction, uh, uh, teaching on something, and then we have a half-hour of questions. Uh, as for right now, again, it'll be changing. We've been talking about this forever, about the change. But the change is coming. We have someone working on it. Finally, as we speak, just sent some other things for an intro in that. And so soon, and very soon, we'll be making the transition. But nothing's happening until after Easter. We will not... Uh, be having our podcast next Thursday because next Thursday, of course, is Holy Thursday. And I always call this uh, Hell Week, even though it's Holy Week, but it was Hell Week for Jesus too, of course, all the stuff he had to go through. And you got to pray for your priest during this week because, of course, we're very, very busy uh, making sure we're getting everything. And for me, it's the hardest time for me to preach because since I've been at the parish for 21, this will be my 21st uh, Holy Week with the people here. I've had to preach on all these uh, great things 21 times, and to try to get something that's new every year is very, very difficult for me. It's the, you know, Christmas and Easter week is always the week that I usually don't sweat uh, preaching. Um, I just surrender the Holy Spirit, and I'll do that, of course, for this week. But it's just like, how do you say something different uh, every year that's going to be uh, practical? Because I always want my homilies to be practical, but also making sure we point to Jesus, making sure that people are learning something and that they get insight um, into all that we did. Anyway, so pray for me and pray for all the priests as we enter this week. Pray I have a retreat this uh, weekend. It begins tonight at 6 p.m. Uh, and it goes on till uh, Sunday at 6 p.m. And we have uh, almost 35 uh, young people, adults, and uh, teenagers coming. And uh, it, it's fantastic. Again, the problem is I'm the only priest on um, the main team this year because it's hard during doing this during uh, Holy Week and Palm Sunday. So, But I'm going to be exhausted. So Sunday, when you see me at Mass, if you're watching the Mass, I will be exhausted. And uh, it starts tonight at 6, but I also have a mandatory meeting at the diocese from 6 to 8. So me 
I have to be there, and there's another priest can be working in another part of our retreat program, and he has to be there. So we can't get back to the place till 8, and then we have Mass tonight at 9 uh, with the, the team, and then all the retreatants come tomorrow. So pray for us, if you would. Okay, now today what I want to do is focus on Holy Week so that we can truly enter into this week. But I don't like to do it just uh, in a... Um, theological sense only, and I don't want to do it in a pious sense only, um, because both of those are uh, helpful, but it doesn't help us truly enter into the reality of this week. Like I've told my people throughout the years, I want us to all think about two words as we enter into this holy of weeks, and the two words is for me. Years ago, I was when I was in major seminary, um, there was just, if you remember those precious moments things that were big uh, back then, I've never been into precious moments, even though people used to buy those things for me all the time when I was a young priest. Thing. Oh, my gosh. Anyway, I'm like a precious moments type guy, don't you think? Anyway, so, uh, but there was one thing that I did see that I was always so impressed with, and what I saw was a precious moments person in there before um, the crucifix or before Christ dying on the cross. And there was a, just one tear coming out of his eyes, and it just said, for me. And I just think that is so important as we enter into this week. Everything Jesus did, he did for you, for me. But it shouldn't make us sad as much as it makes us glad, as much as it makes us grateful. Because, again, if we get sad, it's all because often, oh, look what I did to Jesus. And, you know, we become people that just stay focused on ourselves this week. And the reality is, we, as we enter this holiest of weeks, we should be so filled of focusing on Jesus. It's kind of like we say, Jesus... I'm going to do this with you this week so you are not alone. I want to be there for you. And boy, when we can be there for Jesus, it really helps so much that he did everything he did for you and me, but I want to be with him so he doesn't do it alone. huh? And so that's one of the best things to focus on this uh, week as we begin on Palm Sunday. You're there in the crowd, and you cry out, Hosanna in the highest. And you're just being with him. We usually do on uh, Palm Sunday, we'll do the short version of the um, Passion because on uh, Good Friday, we use the full version of the Passion. And while you're listening to the Passion, to just be there with Jesus to watch everything he goes through, to see how he's rejected, to see how they mock him and just comfort him. Don't just say focused on yourself and feel guilty. We're all guilty, of course. But focus on wanting to comfort God. Not in a pious way, but in a, in a, in a real way. Because in the eternal now, we can be there with Jesus as he suffers. We can be there uh, and offer him comfort. And so Mary was there. Uh, the other people whose face, uh, you know, is imprinted. Uh, Veronica was there. John was there under the cross. And they were with Jesus. And we can be with him this week if we allow this to be personal. We allow this not to just be something that happened 2,000 years ago, or a replay of what happened, like we're watching a movie. We need to be there. Like again, every time we go to Mass, it's an eternal now, that eternity folds into time, and time folds into eternity, and we're actually there at the Last Supper. But we're there at the crucifixion, we're there at the resurrection, we're there. And so we can do the same thing through meditation, so to enter, you know, when you go to Mass on Palm Sunday to start this week, you just say, Lord, I want to be here with you this week. 
and you make that intention that I just want to be with you, Lord. I want to give you comfort. When I, when I fast or when I pray, it's not for me to get to heaven. It's to offer you comfort. Now, of course, it works for you too, but I'm often, you know, I am the most selfish person in the world. Uh, when I think about it, when I do my examination of conscience, I just am. And I just, I think about it afterwards. I go, oh, gosh, what's the matter with me? And I think part of it always is because of my own woundedness, because the woundedness of my family and my history, it's part of it. But we can't let that determine who we are. we got to always be growing. And so I always try to make the intention every Palm Sunday as we enter the week, Lord, I just want to be here for you. Help me to get over myself. If I fast, let it be for others. If I, uh, I pray, I want to just because I want to be with you, I want to make this week for him because he makes it for me. And so, uh, <coughs> excuse me, I just think that's some of the best way to really enter into the week. And so let's focus on the week for a while, huh? Of course, we begin with uh, Palm Sunday. And again, we begin, think about how fickle people are. And not just the fickle, you know, it's easy to sit back and judge. Uh, this morning when I went to scripture, it was in, in Romans and it says, and therefore you are unexcusable, those of you who judge others, because you do the very same thing. I hate when the Lord gives me that kind of stuff in the morning. Uh, but that's what he did. And I think it's because um, we judge like there's so many things we judge. You know, and again, sometimes, not sometimes, every time someone comes to me a confession, I ask them if they judge and they say no. I go, let's ask you that again. We're all guilty of judgment except for Mother Teresa. She said she never was. Unbelievable to me. But anyway, let's... Uh, so sometimes when we go this, oh, I'd never be in the crowd. I'd never cry out, crucify him. I'd never uh, uh, betray him. I would never do any of those things. And yet we all do it every time we sin. So we got to know that I am part of the crowd, that I am the one that cries out, crucify him when I sin. And then I repent of that. So I know it. I just don't feel bad about it. You know, like, oh, look at me. I'm no good. That doesn't help. And it doesn't help us to grow. We sit there and say, look at what I've done, Jesus. I don't want to do it anymore. Change me. Help me to be you focused instead of me focused. And that will help us get out of ourselves. And again, if we can focus on Jesus, knowing everything he did for me, uh, but I want to now do everything I have for him, then it can be the most fame, wonderful, fantastic Holy Week you have. If you start off, knowing that I am fickle too. They're crying, Hosanna, Hosanna. And then a few minutes later, they're crying, crucify him, crucify him. Have not we all done it? And if you're one of those holy, holy people, say, oh, no, Father, never me. Let's go back to when you were younger. Remember those days before you really knew Jesus? Never? You've never done it? I know I'm still guilty of it. Not on purpose, but you know. Yesterday, someone came in, and they were sleeping in the Adoration Chapel. And uh, everybody tried to be nice and be nice. And then finally, uh, and it was a woman, and she was drinking and, uh, like, hitting on people in the middle of the night in our Adoration Chapel, hitting on our men because it's just men, and, I like, I'll do it tonight. And, and so nice wasn't working. So I had to come and be not nice. And I had to yell and scream and say, you're not to be here. Um, and I'm, again, as I'm doing this, I am feeling like garbage, you know, because I'm saying to somebody, you can't sit with Jesus. Is really that it? I felt like the biggest Pharisee ever. But at the same time, I got to protect the people that are there, you know. And so it's always this, um, how, how am I a pastor and protect my people and still uh, recognize Christ in the poor and treat his poor as Jesus himself. And so there's always that balance. Now in Erie, we have plenty of places. Uh, our church becomes one of them two weeks out of the year where people can come and stay. And so we have plenty of places that people can spend the night, that they can eat breakfast, lunch, and dinner. 
Aries very good about. There's no one that would ever have to starve in Aries, and there's no one who ever has to worry about not having a place to stay in Erie. We're very good about that. And so when I said to her, you gotta go to one of these places, is this what they do? I'm above that stuff, she said. And I says, well, I'm sorry I can't let you in the chapel in the middle of the night. Uh, during the daytime, I wouldn't matter if she came in to pray, but she's literally laying there snoring. And uh, anyway, so I know that when I do stuff like that, I mean, I've been feeling bad all day all the time in front of the blessed sacrament that I did yesterday and I just said okay Jesus tell me how to bring healing tell me how to to fix this um, so again just focusing on myself and feeling bad for my temper and feeling bad uh, you know I had to do what I did I, I could have done it in another way but everybody else is trying a nice way and it wasn't working um, but how do I bring healing to that? Not for my sake, so I don't go to hell, but for her sake, for my parish's sake, how do we bring uh, healing to all the garbage in our life and in the world? And the way Jesus brought healing to them crying out, crucify him, crucify him, is he died for them, huh? This is the way Jesus deals with it. Now, sometimes he was very strong. You're going, uh, we're in the middle of John's gospel now, if you've been reading with us. And uh, uh, we've dealt with five and six today. Five, six. And uh, when he calls them, you know, he just isn't nice to the Pharisees. Oh, my gosh. He called in the gospel today. He calls them liars, huh? Oh, my gosh. Goodness, think about it. So when we think about Jesus as gentle, loving, tiptoeing through the tulips, and we read the Gospels, we find out that's not true. But again, all of us have our issues that we all got to deal with, and so we can't be judging each other. Always we can be doing is helping each other. And so when we're with Jesus during Holy Week, helping by being with him, by comforting him, and we do that for Jesus spiritually when we're in the midst of these celebrations, but we can also do it with other people because that is Jesus. And again, to find the balance, um, how we deal with that. And God, I'm, st I'm still working on, I mean, he's given me a bunch of things I've done. I've already done them, and uh, I know he'll give me more, and I'll do those also. Um, but again, how are we all like this? Oh, I would never do any of that stuff. And then we yell at our spouses, our children, our neighbors, or whatever. So we got to go, oh. And always come when you and I get like this, say, Jesus, this is me without you. And then focus again on Jesus. Don't focus on yourself, okay? So then we go into Holy Thursday. And Holy Thursday, it's such a great night. So if you get to go to the services. Again, here's Jesus, and he first of all washes his disciples' feet. And it takes great humility to have our feet washed, huh? Peter, you could tell, wasn't very humble. God still made him a saint and still made him to have the church, so there's still hope for me. But he said, oh, no, Lord, don't wash my feet. No, 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 it's that false humility. You know, oh, no, not me, I'm not worthy. And Jesus doesn't put up with the false humility stuff, does he? He says, uh, if I can't wash, you can have no part of me. Okay, then wash everything about me, Lord, <laughs> you know? So uh, we have to humble ourselves and allow God to do that. And if we, if we really enter into the Mass this Holy Thursday, the reason Jesus washes Peter's feet and the reason they, he washed all the apostles' feet because that was the dirtiest part of them that Jesus isn't afraid to go to the dirtiest part of us and cleanse it on his knees. The humility of God, the humility of God, that he gets on his knees and cleanses them to show I gotta, you got to be like me first, but also to show like when we go to Mass and every time we start off a Mass with... Uh, it's called to mind our sins. At the beginning of every Mass, Jesus Christ, if you will, 
the God that we're coming to worship and serve and receive, gets on his knees before each of us and cleanses us of our sins. Why? Because that's the dirtiest part of us. See how Jesus is. When we go to Mass and we're thinking, oh Lord, it's all about, I want to just focus on you. He immediately gets on his knees and focuses on us. Think about it. And then at the very Mass, after he washes Peter's feet and he washes ours and he says, I want you to learn to do the same. So you must humble yourself before others. I must humble ourselves before others and we must serve others. And again, each of us will serve differently, but we always got to serve others as best we can. Huh? And so after, uh, after we do that, then what does Jesus do? Then he feeds us with his own precious body and blood. Again, I love Francis, Pope Francis, and again, we've been praying for him that he gets the complete healing. It seems like he is by God's grace. But the very first time he was just made Pope and he had Holy Thursday, he got on his knees, not just before cardinals, because then cardinals think that they're special. Let me give you a hint. They're not. Neither am I. Neither is any priest or bishop. We're not. We are the servants. Sometimes we think we're here to be served, but we're not. Jesus, our Savior, wasn't. Our Lord wasn't. And so he's telling us, I want you to be like me. So Francis, instead of uh, washing the cardinal's feet, and you know they were all upset that he didn't. And then he goes to a prison and he washes men and women's feet. He washed a Muslim girl's foot. And again, that's when I knew this new pope is like Jesus. And I have never changed my mind. And I feel so bad for the people who go against him because they don't see Jesus. Just like when people looked at Jesus, they didn't see God. They just saw a man on his knees. The very night that God got on his knees before us, one of his apostles betrayed him to death. And how many today betray the Pope and Jesus to death? Things are very true, still the same. Just as they didn't recognize Christ, they don't recognize his vicar on earth today. Because why? They want a clerical Pope. I'm sick of it all. My clericalism, the clericalism of the church, I'm sick of it all. Because it's not Jesus Christ. It's just not. So we learn from God to humble ourselves and to serve other people on Holy Thursday. So when Jesus looks at you and he says, what I just did is give you an example. As I have done, so you must do. Will I obey him? Will I do as he said? Or I just make Holy Thursday about me and Jesus and look at how I'm with him? Or will I get off my butt and go out and serve the way he wants me to serve? And again, it can begin with your family, right? Begin by serving your family right there. They're right there with you. Do something for them. huh? Don't just go crazy about, shh, it's Holy Thursday, be quiet. Da, da, da. That's nice. You get on your knees and you serve your family. That'll be fantastic. And then he says, do this and remember me. And so we do what we do and say, Jesus, I'm not here for the ritual. I'm not here just for you to feed me with your precious body and blood. I'm here to remember you. Never forget my spiritual director when he was dying, and I went to see him. And he came and met me in the chapel. And I said, I thought you were dying. He goes, that's what they told me. And he says, come on, let me, I'll hear your confession. I go, no, Pete, I don't want you to hear my confession and that. I just want, instead of you always giving to me, I want to give back. So let me anoint you, huh? And so I anointed him. And so this Holy Thursday, we need to be able to do the same thing. 
Lord, I just don't want to take from you. You've done so much for me. I want to give back. I want to minister to you. So if you have a chapel that's open, you can come and sit with him as he goes through his passion. Um, when he says, can you not watch with me for one hour? That we go and we spend time with Jesus and we watch with him Holy Thursday night. And then we say, Lord, I want to serve you and I want to serve your people so that I can do as you commanded. Okay? Holy Thursday. Now, of course, you come to Good Friday. And isn't it interesting? They always say, why do we call it good? <laughs> because it's the greatest day that ever existed and that ever will exist. It's when the God who the universe cannot contain took your sins, my sins, the sins from the beginning of the world, the sins of the end through the end of the world, when he who knew no sin became sin on the cross. And when he took all of our sins, he paid the penalty for him. Them all, Jesus Christ paid the penalty so that we could be with him forever. And so what Good Friday should always be for us is our most grateful day. Thank you, God, for dying for me. And that's got to be where we're at. Thank you, God, that you died for me. Instead of like, look at what I did to Jesus. Oh, I feel bad. You be grateful. I be grateful. Think about it. If I gave my life for somebody and all they did was bemoan that and say, oh, how could he do that? Oh, I'd say, would you get over yourself? I died so you could live. So would you get on living, please? Would you start living? Live for me, live in gratitude. I paid the penalty for your sin, Jesus says. And so we must be grateful. So this Good Friday, you make sure you say thank you to Jesus. Huh? And then to wait with him as he sits in the tomb. When we feel like despair, when we feel darkness, when we feel um, depression, we're in the tomb with Jesus. Now we can stay there, but Jesus didn't, and he doesn't want us to either. The whole point of every Holy Week and every year is the resurrection. Jesus didn't stay on the cross. He was there for three hours. He suffered for a couple days, but now he lives forever. And he lives forever, not just for him. He was already God. He already lived forever. But he became a man and died for us and then rose from the dead so that we can live forever too. See that, how that works? And so why we always just stay focused on Christ and the cross when he says, I died so you could live. So that what we do is we truly start living for God, not for us. It isn't about, oh, I want a big car and I want this. No, no, it says, Lord, I want to live a life of gratitude to you every day of my life for you gave your life for me. Huh? Again, Galatians 2, 19 and 20, I have been crucified with Christ. So the life I live now is no longer my own. Jesus Christ lives inside of me, doesn't die inside of me. He lives inside of me. So, I, so he lives inside of me. So do I truly live because he loved me and gave his life for me? So, but he loved me and gave his life for me, so I'm grateful that he loves me. I'm grateful that I love him. But now Jesus lives his life inside of us. And so since Jesus isn't dead anymore, he's alive he comes to give us life too. So will you and I be fully alive? So again, one of the things I do with my parishioners every year is I remind them it's 40 days of Lent and 50 days of Easter. The church wants us to be an Easter people. St. Augustine says a Christian is an alleluia from the top of his head to the tip of his feet or from the bottom of his feet to the top of his head. We are an alleluia people. Alleluia is our proclamation. Oh, if us Catholics just got that, I'd be ecstatic. If we were an alleluia people, if we let Jesus Christ truly live in and through us, live in and through us, this is what Easter's about. This is what we prepare for all week so we can be more fully alive. And the only way to be more fully alive is to die with Christ on Good Friday, of course. We give our life. We are crucified with him. 
But come Easter Sunday, we rise with him because the living Lord Jesus Christ lives inside of us. Again on Holy Thursday, again on uh, uh, Easter Vigil and uh, Easter Sunday, you receive the body, blood, soul, and divinity of the risen Lord, not the dead Lord. We don't get a dead piece of Jesus at Mass. We get the resurrected Lord. So if Jesus Christ is alive and he comes to live inside of me, that should make you and I more and more and more alive. So as you did things to deny yourself for 40 days, do things to fully be alive for the 50 days of Easter. Go ahead and enjoy life, not in a sinful way, but to go and to walk in the woods and be grateful to God who gave you the beauty of woods. You didn't need that. I remember there was a great Carmelite nun, Sister Emmanuel, who's been dead now for a good many years. But when I'd go over there and spend her, she'd just talk about, you know, like when her mother, when she was a little girl, she was from Ireland, and her mother would sit there and say, look how much God loves us. He made the peas taste different than the ham, and he made the ham taste different than potatoes. God wanted to even give us little pleasures, little pleasures for our benefit. To be grateful these 50 days of Easter, maybe to start a grateful journal, maybe to sit there and start writing every day what you're grateful for so you can focus on life in Easter. But even during the Easter season, there's so many good Catholics that only only want to focus on the crucifixion. The church does not say we should do that. The church says we should focus on Easter. Now, again, it's all the same. Everything's a life and death and resurrection. It's the whole Paschal mystery. But we focus on different things during Holy Week and during Easter. So this week, let's be with Jesus. Let us comfort him as he goes through all that. Let us obey him when he calls us to remember him and he calls us to do this in memory of me. Let us wait with him and our struggles and his. But let us rise with him and let us allow Jesus Christ to truly live inside of us. Let him resurrect you and me that we no longer live. Jesus Christ lives inside of us. Got it? Get it? Gonna live it? May each of you know his love today and forever. Amen. So that's how to have a great Holy Week. Okay, good. Well, thanks for uh, being with me for that part. Now we're going to go into the questions. I have a lot of questions here uh, written, and I have a lot of questions coming here. So we'll do our best to get as many of it in as we can. Okay, so let's first go to the live chat. Message retracted, message retracted. I hope it wasn't anything important. Bess, hi, Father. Can you explain the rapture and why Catholics don't talk about it or believe in it? <laughs> I had a great uh, priest friend and said, there'll be a rapture before there'll be a rapture. The rapture was never even talked about uh, until this century, about 1900. And it was a Protestant concept, and it was from a fundamentalist uh, view of the scripture. The moment you die will be the time you enter into eternity. And so, you know, all the, the movies that talk about the rapture and everything else and all the people that have, uh, uh, for the last century, talked about Christ is coming next week or no, he's coming next week. You know, from the very beginning, they thought Jesus was coming in a week. That's why they didn't write anything down in the beginning. Um, they didn't start writing things down until about 30 years later when they realized he wasn't coming back so fast. <laughs> we better write stuff down. Um, all we've got to do is stay focused on Jesus, not try to scare ourselves or others about, oh, the rapture's going to come and some of us will be there and some of us will be left. And again, there's uh, the best thing, because I, I, I don't have the time to really enter in, in depth, but if you go to catholic.com, you know, uh, Catholic Answers, or you just put Catholics and the rapture, uh, Catholic teaching on the rapture, you're going to get very detailed scriptural reasons why we don't believe in the rapture okay but we we want to live our life for christ we want christ to come and take over us again too often i think that uh we all 
try to scare people into the faith, and it just doesn't last. And if it's all based on fear, then there's no freedom and there's no love. So, anyway. Hello, Father Larry. Hello, Michelle. Julia Ryan. Hi, Father Larry. It is still cold and rainy here in South Dakota. I know. I mean, South Dakota, San Diego. I know. Isn't it horrible? I can't even imagine. The sun is out here, but it's freezing here. So, anyway. Uh, I like it when Jesus has enough of people. He can't believe after he can't believe after all his teaching. They still don't get it. The other day he was perturbed, and today he calls them liars. Exactly. Yeah. Jesus wasn't a la la person. I, again, I've said for years Jesus wouldn't be accepted into most of our Catholic churches, huh? Because um, some of our Catholics, you know, again when I say something like Pope Francis is like Jesus and. Um, Francis would not be, especially in America, would not be accepted into most of the churches because he's too much like Jesus. Again, people want Jesus to be clerical and to make them strong and say we're going to have a great nation and everything else is going to go to hell. <sighs> Read the scriptures. Read the New Testament. Jesus was strong, but he was strong on those who thought they were holy, the Pharisees. He called the Pharisees the liars, the scribes the liars, the ones that thought, you know, like today he says, you do not know God, but I know God. You claim that God is your father, yet he isn't your father. I mean, come on, think about this. And we have these people who are just caught up in their own version of theology and religion and Catholicism, but they have no love for other people, no love for other people. And if you're not more loving, you're not of God. Same with me. So when I do things, like when I yelled yesterday, that was not a God moment. That was a sinful moment. I have it, and so do you. Am I the only one that has sin? Oh, let's hope not. Let's <laughs> hope. If that was, could be that I was the only one that sinned and the rest of you could never sin again, wouldn't that be fantastic? But that ain't the way things usually work. Okay. Oh, and thank you for all those who, uh, my birthday, of course, was last uh, Thursday, and I was telling, I'm at last, last Sunday, the 26th, and I was telling everybody uh, I am uh, 64. I am not 64. I was born in 1960, and that makes me 63. I don't know where my head's been, um, but I just turned 63, and a lot of you all around the world were sending prayers. Thank you, and sending gifts. Thank you, and uh, it was one of the most fantastic days. You know, I was out with my classmates. This year, I got three birthday cakes. Usually, I don't even get one. And then this year, I got an ice cream cake for my staff last Wednesday. Uh, and then on Sunday, because it was after the Mass, that we have fellowship, and they had a big cake for me with whipped cream icing. Mm -mm -mm. Even though I like the ice cream cake better than anything. Uh, but I love the whipped cream icing. And then this retreat I'm giving, we have four weeks of meetings, and so... Uh, they had me a cake that day too, so I was very excited. And my classmates and us, we all went to dinner, and we all get to pick where we want to go. And so I always, uh, they call me the blue-collar guy. I don't know if you figured that out yet, uh, because my taste is very blue-collar. So I just like to go to a, a local brewery, and I had a pizza. Again, it's not good for my uh, diabetes, I know, but it was my birthday. And I had some great beer that was made by the brewery. It was fantastic. It's a fantastic uh, day. So uh, th thank you for all those who did uh, make my day fantastic and for all your prayers and gifts and cards. That was very, very good. Thank you. I, sorry, I almost forgot about that. Okay, good afternoon from California. Julia Ryan's from California too. Bruce, Father Larry, you said in Mass this AM, you have to prostrate yourself. I never fully understood it, so I researched it. That... What is the difference in, uh, in the four verses, seven positions listed in references? I don't know, <laughs> Bruce. Well, prostration, the way we're always in seminary, at Mass anyway, is when you fall down fully, completely on your face before Almighty God. The, uh, uh, the little sisters of Jesus do it in the middle of Mass. Um, they've done it from the beginning. Um, so a priest does it. At uh, every priest does it on uh, Good Friday. We walk in in silence and then we do full prostration. 
which means we completely fall on our faces, heads up. The people kneel, but the priests and the deacons and the ministers fall on their faces. We also do it uh, when we are ordained and uh, uh, people are praying for us, full prostration. I'll never forget as I was laying there 30, coming soon 34 years ago. Still remember that. But in our daily prayer, to be on our knees or to, you know, when I'm, I'm on my knees, but when I'm most in need, I'm on my face. So I should be on my face all the time. But anyway, it's just full humility before God. Okay, Chris, hi, Father. How do you balance the tension of loving and forgiving yourself where you are by disciplining yourself and repenting to your sins? The best way I have found, Chris, is that we don't focus on ourselves at all. We just focus on Jesus. Because when I focus on myself, when you focus on ourself, then I can't be looking at Jesus at the same time. So to always immediately go back to Jesus and say, Jesus, you got to help me. And Jesus, help me and give me your heart. Like that was what I asked for this morning as I was in prayer. I said, Lord, give me your heart. Because I'm not very loving sometimes. And I want to be loving. So give me your heart. Give me your heart. Give me your heart. But again, trying to focus on him, not ourselves. Okay, let's start doing some of these questions too. Um, how do we live out the following scripture verses from Mike? God is faithful, and by him you are called to fellowship with his Son, Christ our Lord. I urge you, brothers, in the name of the Lord Jesus, that all of you agree in what you say, and there be no division among you, but that you are united in the same mind and the same purpose. I mean that each of you is saying, I belong to Paul or Apollos, and I believe to Caiaphas, and I belong to Christ, or I belong to Christ. Is Christ divided? Was Paul crucified for you? I hear people saying, I belong to you two priests, or I belong to this cardinal, I belong to that movement. The reality is we're all supposed to just belong to Jesus. Huh? And again, that's why the, the deepest thing we need today is humility. And again, I'm not the greatest example of humility. I get it. You don't have to write me letters or emails, and I get it, I get it, I get it. But... I, at least that's where we got to go. And part of that is to listen to other people. Because, again, like I was just watching on the news or reading the news. I don't watch the news much, but I was reading about, like, in Jerusalem, there was two people that wanted to make it illegal to talk about Jesus and up to two years in prison in the Holy Land if you talk about Jesus. Now, first of all, uh, the Christians just about keep the Holy Land going, please all our pilgrimages and all the places over there, come on. But I was just thinking, so here are these hardline Jews who completely think that they're right and all of us are wrong. But we have the same thing in our Catholicism, that people are, we are 100% right, everybody else is wrong, I will not listen to you. So they will not listen to us, we will not listen to them, we won't listen to anybody. And so if we can't begin to listen to each other, um, and we all claim to have truth, and everyone else is going to hell. To them, we're all going to hell. To Muslims, we're all going to hell. For us, they're all going to hell. Come on. Do you really think that God is like this? The God who created all of us, but he loves when we hate each other and tell other people they're going to hell. I mean, it just drives me crazy. So we need to be focusing on Jesus, and we need to have the humility to know that I don't know everything. <laughs> And that's a good thing. Recently, you did a segment on prayer and the Lord's Prayer, what is meant, lead us not into temptation. Well, again, uh, the translation is uh, not good. And we'll deal with that in my book. But from the translation of most translations say this, and this is just a new American that the... Uh, written by the bishops, uh, okayed by the bishops. This is the one. When you go to the Lord's Prayer in Matthew chapter 6, and the other ones are uh, similar to this, when it comes to that particular thing after it says, forgive us our debtors, as we forgive our debtors, and it says, and do not subject us to the final test, because temptation can be the same as test. So most of the translations of the Bible do not call it uh, into, lead us into temptation lead us not into temptation, but do not let us go and deliver us. It's deliver us from the final test, you know, and there's a lot of uh, theories about what the final test is. The final test during Jerusalem, while it was going on, the final test of our life. Um, 
But it's not, you know, because James is very clear. God does not lead us into temptation. Again, Pope Francis talked about this uh, a couple years ago, and everybody in America was saying, see, he's going to change the Lord's Prayer. But if you read the Bible, you'll see the Lord's Prayer doesn't say that. In most translations, it says, and subject us not to the final test. So, Again, it's a, the way the the way things are written, the way uh, scriptures are interpreted, that makes a, a big difference. I hope that helps. Let's go back here. Oh, I was even given the penance to ask God to allow me to see myself as He sees me and to listen. I really surely struggled with this, and I don't feel I got response. Any questions on how to approach this? Oh, of course. Like again. Read scripture and go and start with uh, Mark chapter 1, verse 11. Again, as I've talked about a billion times, you let God say to you again and again, you are my beloved son with whom I am well pleased. Well, you need to listen to God. And when people say, I can't listen, I'll shut up. All you have to do is read the Bible. You're listening to God. And so you read it again and again. You are my beloved son, or you are my son, or you are my daughter, whom I love, with whom I am pleased. Well, Father, he said that to Jesus, and Jesus lives inside of you. He adopted you, and he says the same thing. Don't you get it? Everything that we do, we do because Christ lives inside of us. We're baptized because Christ was baptized. We have to go to the cross because Christ went to the cross. We rise because Christ rose. But we hear what Jesus heard from the Father because he lives inside of us. So the Father looks at you and he looks at me and he looks at everyone and says, you are my child whom I love with whom I am pleased. And we always try to look at ourselves and say, God, you can't be pleased with me. Look at my sin. And he says, why do you come into my presence and look at you? Why do you not come into my presence and look at me? So, Go to scriptures, read it again and again. Let it enter more and more deeply into you. Breathe it in, let it go deeper and deeper so you can hear the Father speak to you. Okay, Michelle, I was at Mass. The altar was totally cluttered. During the consecration, the priest said, Blessed are those called to the celebration during communion. Priest played Mariah Carey. I'll be there. Thoughts? Well, again, it's all nuts. Um, <laughs> it is all nuts. But what are you going to do? You can sit there and judge the priest, and, uh, or you can pray for him. You could sit there without saying, Father, that was horrible, and then make him defensive and make him fight with you and not like you. Or you can uh, write him a note of support and love and say, Father, I get when you do this, um, uh, but I feel hurt, whatever. And, but... Don't accuse them. Love them because priests need your support and love more than your judgment because usually I know what I do and people are harsh on me and I, I do things just to make them mad, you know, because I'm a miserable human being sometimes. And when people come to fight with me and because they think that I'm 100% wrong, whatever I'm doing, um, I don't feel any love for them, so I'm not going to listen to them. I feel like they're the Pharisees or they're the scribes. And I do it to them what Jesus did when he was accused. So what that priest did was completely nuts. But how do you help him to see that without uh, totally going against him, judging him and putting him down and saying he's a bad priest? He might be a messed up priest and might need your love and compassion. But again, what he did was completely wrong. Father Larry, what's the best way to correct someone who's wrong about Pope Francis or he recommends anti-Francis material to everybody? They're doing a lot of damage, of course. Again, you pray for them, but you got to also show them how he's like Jesus. Again, when people start with me, and I get it almost every day, like someone will be watching this video and then they'll send very nasty stuff. How can you sit there and support the Pope? And, you know, it's just like people like that, like, how are you Catholic and not supporting the Pope? I just don't get it. I've supported, you know, again, um, how is that even possible that you call yourself a Catholic and you don't support the vicar of Christ on this earth? So anyway, okay. 
Please disregard if my first message went through. I didn't see it, so it went through. Hi, Father Larry. Good afternoon to all. Question, how can I understand and admonish the sinner if there's the teaching to not judge? First of all, it's how you admonish the sinner. You're, we're refused, we're, we are uh, forbidden to judge any person, but we need to judge actions. It's a totally different thing. We usually don't separate them. We, we unite people with their actions, and you don't want to be united by your actions, do you? Like when I'm going angry, I don't want everybody to sit there and judge me and just think, well, Father Larry's just angry. That's who he is. That's not who I am. That's part of who I am. But so often we take a person's sin or their weakness and we make that and we judge their whole being by that. huh? And we don't want people to do that to us, but we do it to other people. Just like you wouldn't want to be admonished uh, without first being loved. And so we go back to this week where Jesus catches the woman in adultery or they catch the woman in a very act of adultery and they bring him to Jesus. How did Jesus admonish the sinner? Because that's the only way you and I can admonish the sinner. We can't do it any other way than Jesus. And how does he do it? Does anyone condemn you? No one, sir. Neither do I condemn you. Now go and sin no more. We try admonish the sinners, and then we get very righteous about that. Because I'm just doing what I'm told. You can never admonish the sinner unless you love the sinner first. And they must know you love them. Don't tell them Jesus loves them until you're ready to love them too. A verse of a song went once. And I 1,000% agree with that. I don't do it the way I'm supposed to. I know, I know. Every time I open my mouth, I'm knowing what I'm not doing. But we got to, Jesus loved the woman. Again, as I've said a million times, before God gave the Ten Commandments, he first set his people free from slavery. We want to admonish sinners who have never experienced the freedom of Jesus Christ, who does, don't know Jesus Christ. The only thing we want them to do is know what they're doing is sinful. Uh, so we love them, and then we admonish them. But we don't admonish them until we know that they know that we love them. Huh? And again, one of the best ways you know that you love them is when you want to do a penance for them. So you're fasting for them before you ever open your mouth. Okay. Let's go on. Michelle, I saw your Be a Man show on EWTN yesterday. So good. Thank you. Will your show be on weekly now? I did that, I think, 10 years ago. So it's just usually in this, uh, they take different times on uh, doing it. So I don't know when they'll play it again. But yes, uh, but I, I did that show oh, at least 10 years ago. Um, is your Holy Land trip filled up? And how's Joe behaving? Missy, the Holy Land trip, we still have about uh, eight. We have 79 people. I think we can go to 90 uh, people have been afraid. I mean, they keep calling me and saying, Father, I'm afraid. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Don't ever let fear determine you to do something, first of all. But there are still openings as long as you got your passport in that because it would take you a while before you have your passport. If you don't have your passport, this would be too late. But if you already have a passport, you can still come. Just go to uh, Selectors uh, or just put Father Larry Richards, the Holy Land in Google, and I'll take you to Selectors, and you can sign up, and we'll be... I'm glad to have you. Uh, I'm going a day ahead of everybody, and so I'll be waiting over there for everybody when they come over, uh, but uh, we're going to have a fine time, so don't worry. Yep, but you're most welcome to come, most welcome to come. But it's getting close because it's May 10th, and so um, it's only a month and a half away. Holy cow. Anyway, so it'd be good. Lewis, what is your favorite prophet in the Bible? I always go back to Jeremiah. You have duped me, O Lord, and I have let myself be duped. I can relate to him too much. <laughs> so uh, let's go here. I'd like to know if Mary was present in the ascension of Jesus. Traditionally, yes. Um, Father, can you please advise on how do we react to difficult people who give us a hard time? Oh, if I only knew how to do that well. I just don't do that well. Um, if you can do two things. One, to s sit there and try to see Jesus in them. And two, um, to try to really say, 
that uh, I really love you before you open your mouth. I don't do it well. I get, uh, uh, I just don't think. I mean, literally, I think, uh, I literally have a mouth that operates without my brain uh, saying okay first. I, 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 do, I do, I just say things, and as soon as it comes out of my mouth, I'm going, what the heck is the matter with you? I just don't get it. Oh, I just don't get it. But again, uh, before, if you can do it before, just ask the Lord to bless them and ask Jesus to love them with his heart. These are all things that I have suggested before. These are all things I don't do well, but I want to do better. So uh, there you go. Is Joe behaving? Yeah, yeah Joe's uh, behaving quite well uh, by God's grace. It's, I'm good. I'm, I'm glad I'm home. I'm, I'm off the road for a while. I don't have to go back onto the road until the end of April. And I am ecstatic to be home. I'm very busy. And my stepfather's back in the hospital, so I ask your prayers for him. Um, and the family is filled with drama right now, my whole family. So uh, as all yours are, I mean, we all have it. So let's pray for each other, huh? Okay, Amy. It always seemed to me like Judas was doomed to betray Christ. I know he had free will, yes. But it seemed like the odds had always been against him to betray Christ and probably going to hell. Well, I always like in the... Um, in crossing the threshold of hope, John St. John Paul II said, we don't know, we know how it exists, but we don't know if anybody's there. And then he says, we can't even tell that Judas is in hell from the scriptures. And I was like, I remember I was in seminary and I read that and I read it again and I'm thinking, oh, this can't be right. Our Lady at Fatima says people go to hell like snowflakes in a snowstorm. Uh, I get it, trust me. But again, we don't know, we don't know how that worked out. I don't, there's a lot of people, I think some, like I'm always crazy sometimes with God because sometimes people are naturally born nice. You ever meet just nice people? I have a lot of people like that in my life. They're just nice people. I'm not naturally nice. It, it, it takes a lot of work for me. You know, I'm generous. I mean, that is the one thing, if I have anything that I, um, I try to always be generous, but I, um, I'm not always nice. And I think, you know, you ever heard hurt people hurt people? And that's true, you know, and it's true in my life. And I think it's just part of the stuff that we constantly, wouldn't it be great if God would, in his mercy would just heal us completely so that we could all be nice. But that's just not the way it works. I wish it was, but it's not. Anyway, dear Father, can you pray for Pope Francis? I have been. Prayers for you and all priests and Pope Francis. I have been praying a lot. And he's doing better. So he's still on for, as of right now, for uh, Palm Sunday Mass. So we'll see. Also, thank you for the advice about Miraculous Metal and saying a mini novena for my nephew. He does not have bone cancer. It's a large cyst that is shrinking. Praise God. Look at that. I have been noticing that when we pray the glory be to the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, people are making the sign of the cross. What is the significance of the action? Because you're just evoking the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. So, again, you're making the sign of the cross because you're doing it. You don't have to, but a lot of people do. Uh, let's continue here. Father, what about the uh, German church? Are they in schism? Not yet, but they're getting close. I truly believe there's going to be two schisms in the church in the years ahead. One will be a liberal schism in the Germans. Uh, they're going to... Uh, go their own way and then there's going to be cons con, uh, conservative schism especially in a church of america both of them are not staying with the magisterium again the magisterium is not dead as people want it to be the magisterium is living and it's the pope and the bishops united that's the teaching way off to follow so whether you're a liberal and you don't think we've gone far enough or you're a conservative and you think we're going too far, both are wrong and both are going to end up in schism and they're going to leave the true church of Jesus Christ because they're going to leave the vicar of the true church. And that's sad. So we got to pray. But again, Jesus, after his apostles, you know, his disciples in John 6, he's very clearly in John 6, 6, 6, uh, John chapter 6, verse 66. The only time that verse happens in the Bible, after Jesus taught about his presence in the Eucharist, 
they say, will you leave me too? And he lets them go after the audience. But you'll leave me too. And I just realized it's four o'clock. So I got to get done here. Very sorry I didn't get to the rest of these things. I got to go see my shrink. And then I have to hurry up and eat. And then I have to be at a meeting at six o'clock. And so pray for me. Pray for the people I'll be speaking to. And know I pray for you and that I love you. And we'll see you in two weeks. Okay? The Lord be with you. May Almighty God bless, keep, and protect you. He was Father and Son and Holy Spirit. Amen. God bless you. Have a great Holy Week.